Hey, I'm Brett Podolsky, co-founder of The Farmer's Dog. We make fresh food for dogs. We started the company when we saw what a huge difference it made in my own dog, Jada, when she stopped eating ultra-processed kibble and started eating fresh, whole food. The Farmer's Dog food isn't fancy. It's just real food delivered to your door in pre-portioned packs. It's better for them and easier for you. Get 50% off your first box at thefarmersdog.com slash podcast. That's thefarmersdog.com slash podcast. Welcome back into the Lions 24-7 podcast. I'm Tyler Donahue. He is Sean Fitz, and it is another Friday in Happy Valley Two weeks into preseason camp for Penn State, just about two weeks until kickoff. So halfway between getting back in pads and actually facing the Wisconsin Badgers up in Madison, we're going to talk about a few different storylines, receivers in the spotlight this time around after speaking with Taylor Stubblefield, the position coach earlier this week. we got a lot to discuss about Penn State newcomers and who will impact this program early on and who we might have to wait and see get on the field as the season progresses. Um, Sean, uh, we got a brief look at practice this week. We got a few more player and coach availabilities, trying to piece things together. Um, but but it, we're going to start in this receiver room because beyond Jahan Dotson and Parker Washington, there's everyone else. I mean, that's kind of how you have to set everything up. I mean, there's sort of tiers here as you go along the depth chart, but I think uh, Dotson and Washington just so far ahead of everybody in terms of pr- returning production, in terms of uh, skill set and how things work out. And and I think it's a good marriage between them and, and the Yersich offense. So just a huge chance to be not only productive, but much more productive than the other guys in that room. And now they need other guys to step up. I don't think there's any doubt about it, but these guys I just think are so far ahead um, that you're going to see so much of them on the field this fall. Yeah, just to put that returning production in, into a little more clarity for our listeners. Um, last year, Dotson and Parker Washington combined for 100. Uh, I'm sorry, they combined uh, to account for almost all of, of the 111 catches, 100, 1,647 yards and 14 touchdowns uh, in those nine games. The only players, uh, the only other additions were 23 receptions, 274 yards, zero touchdowns from the rest of this wide receiver group. So you throw that into the mix that there's also no more Pat Fryermuth, who was a security blanket in a lot of ways for Sean Clifford uh, for his first two seasons as a starter. And we have to see someone else step up. We'll talk about who that might be because there is certainly a momentum building for a third receiver. But let's start with Dotson and Washington. Obviously, keeping Dotson was huge. You kept him, you kept Brisker, Rasheed Walker, all those guys we were wondering if they may go test the NFL draft waters didn't happen. So you bring back the leading receiving yardage, uh, receiving yardage producer in the big 10 from last year, you bring back Parker Washington, who made a strong case for freshman of the year honors in this conference. And I just think starting there, that already sets you pretty far ahead of where you've been the the past few preseasons going back um, where KJ Hamler was the lone returning guy that you knew you were going to get something out of. And there was a lot of questions everywhere else. And last year you were wondering if Jahan Dotson could be that wide receiver one. Of course, he answered the bell. But I think just having a tandem of sorts, to me, it's the first time since 2017 where you can say there's a couple guys you can really feel like you can count on to get 40, 50 plus catches uh, each in in a season. Yeah. And I think I agree with you there. I think that you look at where they were at last year, and that was pretty much a storyline all season last year is can John Dotson be that number one? And then we thought Parker Washington would be ready. I don't, I don't think we thought he would be that ready. Like and we thought he was really good. His four-star prospect by 24 seven sports and uh, the athletic numbers 
may have been overlooked based on his stature and the way that he plays the game. And sometimes that happens with these great route runners, with these guys that are a little shiftier and, and kind of have different builds. You know, he's still a four or five guy coming out of high school and and, and he showed it last year. Uh, he's tremendously fun to watch. He's one of my favorite guys that, that I've watched at that position. And there's been some really, really good ones at Penn State in the last decade or so. So, um, but yeah, it's, it, it's really funny because when you when you mention these tiers, I just think that 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 group right there is so far ahead of everyone else that, you know, number one, knock on wood, you, you don't want to get either of those guys hurt. But that's where the, the bulk of your of your focus is going to go. We saw after Pat Fryermuth got hurt last year, Dotson really stepped up and, you know, he was a number one at the start of the year, of course, had a great game against Ohio State. Um, but yeah, it's just some of those things like in the Illinois game to close the season just showed a different side of him. And it was really, really welcoming to, to, to Penn State, no matter who was throwing him the ball, that he was going to go up and make those plays. So now you've got that. You've got him you know, in that solid number one role, who's going to draw a little bit more attention than he did last year. And I'm sure as um, defensive coordinators went on throughout the year, they, they certainly paid more attention to John Dotson. But I think going in this year, he's going to be in the crosshairs. And that's where a guy like Parker Washington is so important for them. Um, just especially if you're trying to, going to try and spread it out, whether that's with uh, these two receivers and two tight ends or a couple of running backs, or maybe Keandre Lambert-Smith, who we'll talk about in a second, can come through and be the third guy. Um, it's just a, it's a much better spot to be in this year. And you feel comfortable with those guys, not only because of the way that they've been able to produce, but the way they've been so solid in doing so, catching the ball, moving the, Move, moving the offense down the field and sort of taking it upon themselves, even when you did not have uh, consistent quarterback play, just to take that offense to to another level, which is kind of funny when you're talking about a four and five offense. But we all saw the first five games of the season last year, and that's kind of where the the bar was set, unfortunately. So yeah, feel feel really good about those two guys. I think they're going to have big seasons. I'm I'm really curious, and I think there's a mailbag question about this: where the stats will fall compared to years past, because this is a is this an offense where your leading receiver catches 80 balls is it is it one where he catches 60 balls it's hard to say at this point because because we haven't seen much from from Yurcich in terms of his own offense so but I'm excited for these guys the, the the production potential is is certainly huge for both of those for, for both Jahan Dotson and Parker Washington yeah you've got to go back to 2017 when you had a, a, at least a pair of receivers for Penn State go beyond that that 50 catch mark um that in that instance it was Jawan Johnson and Deshaun Hamilton and also that year you had Saquon Barkley and Mike Kosicki do it and that that sets a high standard obviously that 2017 offensive attack but when we look at this group and, and the ability to to pile up numbers i mean Jahan Dotson Let's take a quick stroll down memory lane. And 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 by the way, when you were gone, Josh Pate says very clearly he thinks Jahan Dotson is one of the more overlooked players across the country. And I think a lot of that had to do because so many of his bright spots were during that spiral to 0-5 last year. He had a 60-yard touchdown that put them ahead late in week one. Uh, he dazzled against Ohio State, 144 catches, three touchdowns, highlight grabs against NFL talent, defensive backs. And then he goes for 123 yards and a touchdown on nine catches against Maryland. And then against, against Iowa, and yet another disappointing performance for Penn State. He goes out and fills the stat sheet, eight catches, 139 yards, another touchdown. And by the end of the year, um, 
we've now seen that he's running uh, sub four, four in the low four threes, according to the Penn state board in their weight room, that really started to become apparent that he was be able to turn on those burners late in the year against Michigan state against Illinois. I mean, he was the most dominant player on the field against Illinois, two touchdowns from beyond 70 yards uh, against Michigan state, the first player, I believe in nine years uh, or more 15 years, I should say in the big 10 to go for 100 yards receiving and a punt return touchdown in the same game. So he was doing things that people haven't done in this conference in a very long time by the by the end of the year. And, and, and oh, by the way, Parker Washington, um, f- four games over 70 yards. Um, during, I should say five games over 70 yards. So that's more than half the season, Sean. Um, and Washington was a guy that, that just made tough catches, um, found his way to the end zone, six scores uh, over the course of his first year, including one uh, really tough grab in the opener on the road in his first you know, college experience. So I, I think that, that these two have really proven themselves and they've done it through adverse moments. So you think they come out the other end here and, and you'd hope things are clicking in a much better way for this offense. So you do wonder, you know, as the tide raises for this entire offense, you know, what does that mean for these two? Where can they go next here, Dotson and Washington? Or do we see more distribution at wide receiver? Because there wasn't much last year. And, you know, the next man up was Keandre Lambert-Smith. He had 15 catches last year, uh, really a, a modest season for him as a freshman, you know, more highly ranked than Parker Washington and rolled before Parker Washington. But it was Washington that commanded that spotlight. It's nice to hear if you're a fan of Penn State, uh, if you're a fan of Keandre Lambert, though, that momentum is moving in the right direction, um, according to Taylor Stubblefield, a lot of that is mentality, moving on from the play before, moving on from the practice that happened yesterday, and being in the moment and attacking what's in front of you. We know Keandre Lambert-Smith is a highly competitive guy. Um, he's a highly passionate player, so I can understand where maybe last year as a freshman, there was there was some you know, some emotions involved that he couldn't really get past, um, and, and Taylor Stubblefield wanted to see that happen. If that checks out this year and he's your wide receiver three, and I think it's certainly moving toward that, um, I, I think there is a lot to like about this trio that Penn State could try on, onto the field. Oh, no doubt about it. And you you probably, and th- we talk about building a two deep and, and all the stuff. You probably need four receivers ready to go. And you feel pretty, you feel really good about two. You feel like one is coming along and you need that fourth guy in there. And we'll talk about that in a, in a little bit. But go, going back to Dotson being overlooked, and I just sort of parting shot here. The Big Ten, really good in receiver this year. I mean, it's, mm-hmm. it, it, obviously the Big Ten does not have that reputation, but you've got Olave and Wilson at Ohio State, as good as it gets in the conference. And, and that's another thing, you know, Dotson and Parker Washington, damn good combination, uh, but you're going to put them up against Olave and Garrett Wilson. That's You're not going to win that battle, um, you know, at least in the offseason. That's what we're doing, just speculating the offseason. Fry Fogel out there at Indiana, who I'm, I'm a big fan of, and David Bell at Purdue, um, who I don't know what he's going to have around him this year, but he's going to be a stud because that's that's what he's done all the way going back from his high school days. I'll throw you a Bo Melton at Rutgers there. And, and there's just guys all over this conference that uh, have really, really stepped up. Dante Demas and, and Rakeem Jarrett should, should have decent seasons at at Maryland as well. So you look at the big 10, it's a good spot to be for wide receivers right now. I think Penn state's got two of the top 10 um, in Dotson and, and Washington, which is, you know, you're kind of in that, in that area where it's easier to overlook them on a national stage because you're not the top guy in the conference, but at the same time, you know, all big 10 potential, in both of those spots. Um, 
getting back to Keandre Lambert Smith, I, I do think things are going in the right direction there. They're hoping he could break out. And, and I think I've said this a few times on the podcast about that class of 2020 that came in, especially those guys that came in in January, did some really nice things. And then they had that break where they had to go home because uh, of the pandemic and took a step back. And, and that really thwarted his potential for an immediate impact last year. Um, he, he was one of those guys where you would have to get into a college weight program, get him into a nutrition program to see him expand and, and be able to see the field last year. And, and it was, it was funny putting him and Parker Washington, who did not come in early, putting them beside each other. Parker was just so much more ready to come in and, and make an impact right away. Uh, Keandra just frankly looks skinny out there and he, he's going to be one of those guys that looks skinny probably his entire career, but he got up there. He's, uh, you know, he's finally catching back up to speed and it's about turning that into consistency, turning that into confidence. And that's something I think by the end of his freshman year, he's just kind of chuffed about where he was and, and maybe that things didn't play out for him as, as he had envisioned 10 months earlier, 12 months earlier, whatever it was when he enrolled. So I, I think there's certainly potential there. Love his talent, love his, uh, love what he brings to the table. There, there's some quickness there. Um, the speed's still coming along, but, uh, and then the strength is still coming along is actually what I meant to say. Um, but yeah, he's, he's done some nice thing, made some, made some good catches in camp. And I think he's ascended to that third role. He just provides you something different than Cam Sullivan Brown. Cam Sullivan Brown's going to be the steady veteran KG guy that, uh, you know, earns all those cliches and things like that. But I think you have a little bit higher ceiling when you're, when you're rolling out Keandre Lambert Smith at that third spot. I know Cam Sullivan Brown has been on campus now. I mean, he's, he came in with Sean Clifford. This is year five for him, but you know, he has fewer career catches than Keandre Lambert had last year in an abbreviated season as a true freshman. And, and injuries, injuries, a big part of that. Like, of course, know, of course. He did some I, nice I, things while he was in there. It's just, he's, I just, I he's, he's not a guy that's going to scare defensive coordinators, I think is what we're trying right. to say. No, 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 and and I and I know he's a, he sounds like a dependable. He's definitely a dependable piece of this receiver group, from what we hear, and, and a lot of that is what's going on in Penn State football facilities. I, I think there's been a lot of this, like this kind of saying, comparing him and Keandre Lambert Smith as as those two have been at the crux of that you know third wide receiver spot. I think some people are you know kind of overlooking the fact that there's not like you can say Cam, uh, Cam Sullivan Brown is certainly going to be that more dependable veteran presence on the field. Cause he's been around campus longer. Um, I just think that, you know, it's difficult for, for Cam Sullivan Brown because he doesn't have a lot to point to. We hear it from the coaches that they felt like last year he was going to have a strong season, but then there were some medical setbacks and that couldn't happen. Um, it, it's just for him, for Daniel George, it's getting late in the game and, and, and you know, it's, it's time to, you know, there's just a lot of, there's a lack of tangible evidence, I suppose, that supports the case for saying either of those guys are going to come on strong and have that kind of breakout season. You'd love it for either of them because if they've been on campus, they've, they've been good soldiers for this football program. But to me, Keandre Lambert from a talent perspective and also getting his feet wet last year, let's not forget he started down the stretch during that win streak. Um, that, that, that involves more than just grabbing passes that involves being involved in the offensive game plan, going through the, weekly process as a starter and also blocking and, and, and handling every other assignment that doesn't end with you registering something in the stat sheet. So I, I, there's a lot to like there. And, and to me, what stands out here again is we're talking about this with the number three guy. The last few years, it's been this conversation about the number two guy. And it's been like, who's going to be the number two guy that can, that can supplement here. You're having it about the number three guy. And I think that illustrates that they're in a better spot at wide receiver than they have been in four or five years. I, I think they're in a better spot the, the more time goes by. And I didn't want to, 
go this direction, but I pulled up the commitment list for the last couple of years. And it's I did great. too. <laughs> uh, 20, 2017, that class that Cam Sullivan Brown came in, KJ Hamler was in there, obviously a big hit. Mac Hammer was in there, not a hit. You know, the, you go to the next class, you've gotten a hit from Jahan Dotson, completely whiffed on Justin Shorter and look, looking that way on Daniel George as well. So you're, you're talking about two classes where you have uh, one guy from each class, essentially one guy from each class that's made a big impact. Then you go to 2020, or excuse me, 2019. Zero guys. Over two with TJ Jones and John Dunmore already out of the program. Of course, Weston Carr, the transfer didn't do anything either. So you're relying so heavily. And, and you know, they're, they're in a pretty good spot considering how much they've gotten out of Parker Washington as just a freshman, how much they, you know, even how much they got out of Keandre Lambert Smith, who only had what 13 catches or so, but still as a true freshman to come in, that's, that's valuable experience. And, and by the end of the season, it's kind of a wash. Anyway, you get a chance to get those guys out there and, and hopefully it pays off in the future. Still waiting on Jaden dot and Malik Megan, Norval black, but yeah, the, the hit rate has not been high, but you know, the end of the Gaddis era there um, mm-hmm. was not, was not ideal. You know, he, as great of a in-person recruiter as he was as great as I, I think he was a, a good evaluator of talent, but just couldn't f- uh, finish. And by the way, going back even further, the 2016 class was just Daylon Dar- Darian. And cause that was a Trey Nixon class where they just put all their eggs in that basket and failed on that one. So, and you know, Trey's in the NFL now, but uh, yeah, it's not been great. Uh, and that's something where, you know, you're hoping you turn the corner. There's obviously been a lot of turnover in that room as far as who's leading that room in the coaching staff, but getting Taylor Stubblefield seems to be, you know, paying off in terms of getting those elite guys in there. Um, you know, there's been some good prospects over the year. Of course, shorter, we thought was a fantastic prospect just didn't, didn't work out that way. But if you can turn that 2020 and 2021 class, we be feeling pretty good about it in a year or two. Um, because I think those guys are, you know, just guys that can compete early and also make a difference, uh, when you're playing teams like Ohio state. Yeah, Sean, I actually broke out the calculator for this one before the show. Um, and, and I did not include the 2016 class. As you mentioned, you didn't get anything at wide receiver there, but, but that group on. Moved do you on. still have a, do you have a still, still have a regular calculator or do you use your phone? Cause you, I strike, use the phone. Me as a, you strike me as a, as a guy that actually has a calculator. So me, oh gosh, no, I avoided math classes as much as I could after like my sophomore year of high school, but I, I, I had the app on my phone and, and I, it was pretty simple math because there's not many numbers to add up um, for, for the other guys that aren't named KJ Hamler and Jahan Dotson. Jahan Dotson, KJ Hamler, among wide receivers who were added to this program on scholarship from 2017 through the 27 through 2019, 190 catches combined, 3,200 plus yards, 26 touchdowns for those two players, Hamler and Dotson. Hamler's playing on on Sundays now. He's burning NFL defensive backs, as you saw in the preseason game the other day. Jahan Dotson will be there next year. The other seven combined guys, and I'm including Weston Carr in that conversation because he is a guy they brought in on scholarship. Combined, 57 catches, 706 yards, two touchdowns. There are you know, quite a number of four stars involved there. If five stars, you want to include Justin Shorter, of course. But that is kind of leads you to where we are this year, where it's Jahan Dotson. It's Parker Washington who came in and made a true freshman impact of epic proportions last year. And then it's everybody else. I mean, it, because of that such a seismic gap in being able to, to bring in talent that has risen up your depth chart in a consistent manner. Injuries are factoring in there. Performance is factoring in there. And I think it's, we have to acknowledge that David Corley was the wide receivers coach in 2018 when Justin Shorter, Daniel George, and Jahan Dotson arrived as a really impressive freshman trio. 
Corley was brought in as a running backs coach, and then he was handed a, a really, really impressive, at the time, a highly touted group of young wide receivers, and he was asked to recruit the position. And you had Parker come in. Now you've had Stubblefield come in, and, and he's settling things down here in year number two. There's a reason that they're going hard after this 22 wide receiver class, and it's going to be a special group as long as they keep those pieces together with Caden Saunders and, and Anthony Ivey and Tyler Johnson and maybe Makai Flowers. But it's been a real, I don't know, I want to call it a blind spot, but it's been a, a failure from personnel perspective in getting wide receivers on campus and at the back end, having them become reliable contributors on the field for you. Yeah, and, and we've talked about with recruiting quarterbacks in the past in terms of the reputation that Penn State has on a national level is is still a lot of uh, all about the running backs, all about the uh, you know the the, the Big Ten. You know, you kind of got away from that a little bit with Joe Moorhead, and then you came roaring back to it and and you know running the quarterback and doing all those things, and it, it just wasn't generally appealing. Um, but but getting ahead of this 2022 class, especially with a guy like Caden Saunders, who's a phenomenal prospect, um, there it could play inside or out or whatever. You're just adding. Um, not only numbers, but guys that you think can can play right away and can make an impact on your depth chart from day one. And um, you're also adding a lot of speed. And that's that's an interesting thing to me is you look at what's on campus and there's some speed there. And Jahan Dotson, to his credit, much faster than he was when he arrived. Parker Washington faster than, you know, there, there is some speed there, but you look lower on the depth chart and you have questions um, about those guys, whether or not they can, you know, take the top off a of big 10 defense or, or something like that. So you've got guys like Saunders, who's a four, four kid like Tyler Johnson, who ran a four, four for them at camp this year. You got Anthony Ivy, who's maybe not quite that fast, but still probably a four five guy. So you've got, even those guys would have probably been the fastest receiver in one of these prior classes. So we'll put it that way. Uh, and then you still got a, a guy like Amari Evans down in Texas that came up and ran a four, three for you. He'd be the fastest of them all. So um, it, it's really something to look at um, the, the makeup of the guys that not only they're recruiting, cause they've always recruited these guys, but the guys that they're finishing. And I think, you know, having two really good quarterbacks in this class has something to do with it. I think having Mike Yurcich and and getting a, version of a new coach bump through an offensive coordinator has something to do with it. And I think that that room is, is drastically changing in terms of the makeup uh, because no offense to Sullivan Brown or a guy like Matt Hippenhammer or something like that. These guys, I think are different athletes. Yeah. And what they all have in common too, is they're not going to help this offense in 2021. So who could, uh, we, we mentioned Solomon Brown, the career numbers are very modest, 13 catches, Daniel George in his career. He's now in year four, 18 catches, 285 yards and one touchdown. That one score was his first career catch. I know you remember this against Kent state in 2018. He went 95 yards catching that one from redshirt freshman, Sean Clifford. Uh, so 95 yards on his first catch the rest of the way, 190 total yards. And he started some games, <coughs> Then you get to the other conversation, uh, you know, without with beyond those veterans, you've got a guy who is a veteran at the college level, but only a second year with Penn State, Norval Black. I noted coming out of, of practice, uh, you know, he's, we've seen skinny receivers do special things at the college level. You look at the Heisman winner last year for, for that, but I'm just surprised that, at, you know, you watch this group and you look at him and he stands out, you know, kind of conversely to the reasons why Parker Washington stands out because you look at Parker and you say that kid's a college wide receiver. He looks like he should be maybe an outside linebacker or something. Just not there from a developmental perspective, at least as far as I can tell, not a name that has popped up for us in conversations about who's in that mix. And then you get to, to Jaden Dotton, Malik Mega. We've bunched them up because they came to campus last year as freshmen. They weren't Parker Washington or Keandre Lambert Smith. And Dotton got in for, for the regular season finale. Malik Mega didn't touch the field during games. 
either of those two, you, you could say, could step up, be a fourth guy for you, be a fifth guy. Who knows? Uh, go down the road, a starter. But Sean, I just not hearing enough. And, and I think to this point, we haven't seen a lot on practice. We haven't seen 11 on, on 11. So not really getting a lot of, you know, mano we mano situations where first teamers are going to get first teamers or we're seeing these guys against uh, work against uh, defensive backs all that much. So it's hard to take too much away, but I think there's still a whole lot of lack of clarity on Dotton, on Mega, on Black. And and so you're still talking about the majority. Well, you might have two starters out of that five-man class last year and Keandre Lambert-Smith and Parker Washington, and that's a really important thing. More than half of that group still, you're, you're not sure what you're getting. Yeah, and, and they're at the end of their freshman season, two of those guys. So I, mm-hmm. I, I don't, you know, you can't hold that against them, especially when you come in with somebody like Parker Washington and you you stand beside them, and there's obviously much more ready to go than you. Uh, that that's that's not great for those guys. So very much a wait and see on those guys. Norval Black is is tough to tough to see that one coming through. Like I mentioned with Keandre Lambert, in terms of the pandemic, that probably hurt Black. I, top five guy in the roster in terms of how much that hurt him. He just was not physically ready to go when he came in. So there's, there's athleticism in there. He's, he's, he's got a sub four second shuttle. I mean, he can obviously move, but there, there, it's going to take a lot. It takes a little bit more when you're that size to, uh, to get going. So I don't, I don't know that he, you know, it's good that he got the extra year and everything like that, but I, I'm not sure that that one's um, really coming together. Uh, Jaden Dotton, one of those guys that doesn't have the elite physical, um, you know, attributes, the athletic attributes that that some of the guys around him have, but he's a smooth receiver. Really came on at the end of last year in terms of uh, practicing, really worked through that freshman wall and did some nice things. Then you've got Malik Mega, who's got the athletic um, achievements and and is the physical specimen, but is kind of the opposite of Jaden Dotton in terms of uh, how raw he is and how much he's going to have to come along from a football skill perspective. So. Yeah, really just not not expecting a ton from those guys this year. I would like to see more of them in, in practice on my own eyes uh, before I get ahead. And that's that's one thing when we're talking about preseason evaluations is we have not seen much of these guys. And I usually like to withhold judgment on some of the on some of the guys until you actually see them in person, see them doing some things. But we've heard some some good things on Mega, but it's gonna have to be about consistency. And that's really one of the things that Taylor Stubblefield was preaching earlier this week was you got guys that can make go, go out and make plays and make a catch over somebody. And then they drop the next one. And that's a problem. That's something that you can't have when you go out there on the game field against uh, Ohio state, Michigan, et cetera. So um, it's, it's one of those things where you feel really good about the top. And then there is a reason there's a lot of questions at that next level. And, and, and hopefully some of those guys can step up and answer the bell. And that's one of the great parts about college football is that that, that does happen. Um, but yeah, you've got to, you, you see a transition in this room and you wonder where that 2020 class and that 2019, or excuse me, that 2018 class with, with George um, can fit into this mix. And because of how it down, went down last year and because of, you know, what the access has, has been like in preseason. We haven't seen a lot of Jaden Dotton and Malik Mega since they you know left their respective high school programs. That's just the way it is. So it, it, I don't, I don't want to go too far down that path, but I will say the sense I get with, with those two players in year two is Dotton has the higher floor right now. And, and Mega clearly has the higher ceiling. Will any of that matter here for the 2021 roster? I don't know, but and, and I think, these guys, I think have, these guys have a lot of eligibility left. I think Dotton's been banged up a little bit too. So that, that certainly can play into it. And, and, and he would be the guy if, all things equal in terms of coming into the season that you would think would be able to step in and and try and be your fifth guy or your sixth guy. And let's be honest, that guy doesn't see the field much anyway, especially when you take into account 
getting a second tight end on the field, getting maybe a second running back onto the field or something like that. I, think I could see receiver being the casualty of that. But if Keandre Lambert Smith steps up, then you've got, uh, you know, you've got options there as well. So I don't know how much we see. I, I, I don't know what it's like for, for Mike Yurcich in terms of uh, rotating guys through, you know, typically it's been, uh, ro- rotating in bulk and then you send a guy deep. But if he runs a deep route, you bring him off and you bring his, his, uh, his second guy in. I, I don't know how all that that's going to work out with the new coordinator, but feeling good at the top, feeling, uh, <laughs> feeling a little, little nervous there as, as you get a lo- little further in the list. I think we've done a nice job, uh, illustrating the Dodson and Washington kind of sort of Keandre Lambert and everyone else narrative that we set out at the start of the show. And that's going to include a couple true freshmen, uh, Liam Clifford, Harrison Wallace, both were considered four-star prospects in the 2021 class by 24 seven sports. Liam, of course, the younger brother of the starting quarterback, Harrison Wallace is a guy who didn't even have a power five offer entering last October. Certainly seems like the kind of player that three, four years down the line, a lot of teams are scratching their heads, specifically in the Southeast, wondering why he wasn't on their radar, why they didn't try to make a push uh, for the Pike Road high school player out of Alabama. But he's here now in a Penn State uniform. Taylor Stubblefield, very conservative when I asked about these guys. You would expect that. They're two weeks into their their first college football practices. Neither of them were early enrollees. So they're playing catch up. And and, and he, ref, he kind of equated it to fine tuning or learning a foreign language is what these guys are going through. But, but you talk to Stubblefield, you heard from Franklin. Liam Clifford has that inside knowledge from his older brother in recent years where he, he came to campus so ready. Um, Franklin said he killed the conditioning test. Um, additionally, you look at this kid. Um, I've mentioned this on the podcast. Sean, you've seen some photos now. I know you haven't seen him in person in the practice field. I mean, he is well put together. He is very well put together. Harrison Wallace doesn't necessarily stand out from that way, but the athleticism with him that ever, that was just oozing off the basketball court and the football field when he watched the film last year and was captivating for these Penn State coaches, you know, that leaves the door open for him too. And, and you've heard some good things about each of these players. Stubblefield certainly left the door open for either of them to make an impact on the field. I don't know if it happens in early September. Maybe it doesn't happen until October, November. I just have a hard time considering what we just laid out, the wide receivers that are above them on the depth chart or with them on the depth chart that aren't Dotson or Washington or Keandre Lambert-Smith. I have a hard time thinking that one or the other or both won't ascend as this campaign you know, carries on. You've got the the four the four game rule for redshirting, so that can help. That can help. You can get them out there against Ball State, against Villanova, and then figure out where you stand if you need to use them. I think it's as bad as the schedule sets up for Penn State. You do have the opportunity to play young players two of the first four weeks, and then figure out where you're going to go from there. So I think that helps. Um, yeah, I know. I know you think that that the Liam is a guy that could step in in terms of high floor type guys. Hearing some really good things about Harrison Wallace, man. He's he's got some athleticism. Yeah, he is um, not off the table by any means of the like by any means. Yeah. He is certainly in the conversation. Yeah, that's a guy that I'm probably more curious about than anybody because that if you look at all the guys that we've covered in the last five years, six years. We probably know less about Harrison Wallace than than any of them, just because he never got to campus, never worked out for the staff. We don't have testing numbers. We don't have this. We've got basketball clips where he's going up and dunking the hell out of the ball. But hmm. you know how much does that pay off? And showed up a little bit bigger than I thought he would. Uh, 190 pounds on the roster right now. I forget where we had him um, in terms of the 24/7 Sports profile, but uh, that that was a big not a big miss, but a big hole in our evaluations last year is we just couldn't see these guys on in person. So um, 
uh, we got them at 180. So that's you know, a bit of a difference. We both go 10 pounds uh, here or there, uh, Tyler and I do. So um, <laughs> you'll have that. But no, I, I'm really interested to see him in person um, physically uh, a little bit bigger than I expected. The makeup is there. Um, and the athleticism, I think it certainly think shows, uh, shows out when you're seeing him in person, but yeah, that that's a big curve to be on when you're coming in, especially both of these guys that came in, in the summer, you, you don't have that spring ball to get, get acclimated with, uh, with what you're trying to do to break into that rotation. So they have such a long way to go in a short period of time. And camp is set up as such where the first couple of weeks, you can make up some of that ground, but then when you get into game prep, when you get into running scout team and getting ready for Wisconsin, that sort of slows down. So I'm, I'm interested to see where they're at right now versus where they are come game time when you're going to ask them to if they're ready to get into a, a Big Ten game. From a competition perspective, though, you wonder if I, – I'm not going to go as so far to say the field the uh, the field's evened out, but the guys who got to campus last year, the five players who got to campus, they did not have a spring ball. Uh, in the case of Dotton and in the case of Mega and Black, I mean, I, I don't know what they were doing on the practice field, but we weren't out there. I'm assuming it would involve a lot of scout team reps where, where you're running the other team's offense. So they got spring ball. They got 15 practices earlier this year. That was huge for them. But it's not like year one was setting the foundation that a normal freshman class would get. And I do wonder if that does create kind of a, a pathway for Clifford and for, um, uh, for, for, for Wallace, because if you're St- Taylor Stubblefield, you're not necessarily looking at eligibility. You're not looking at who's, who's uh, what age you're looking at, who can I depend on to go give me solid routes, do what they need to do, execute their job. And, and I think, you know, because of what happened last year, you're a little hamstrung with that 2020 class. I wonder how that maybe plays out on the practice field here in the next couple of weeks and how it already has during the preceding couple of weeks. That's a good question. And especially if you're bringing in a class of four or five guys next year, that's going to come in and, and try to be in that same situation uh, for the 2022 season. I mean, you, you're going to have to find out what you've got pretty quick. And, and some of those guys, like we've seen it at positions like running back, some of those guys are, are going to get churned over and that's just part of it right now, by the way, Lonnie white, uh, his first step to Cooperstown yesterday, two for mm. two with two doubles in his, uh, professional baseball career. So good, good for him. His mom did tweet out, they will be following Penn State. They will be cheering on the team, but certainly excited to cheer on her son in his professional debut. By the way, uh, I feel like we end a lot of wide receiver conversations like this. There's a safety net of sorts here with that tight end room. Oh, I thought you were going to say with the the class with Makai Flowers and Christian Driver, but that was a play on words that really didn't come to it. But yes, that tight <laughs> you end got room, there. <laughs> yeah, that t- that tight end room can really help this group out. Um, you know, Brenton Strange. I, I think Brenton Strange. Everybody looks at Theo Johnson as excited, and I think you should be about. Uh, but everybody just forgets about Brenton Strange. He's just a heck of a football player. And yeah, if I'm if I'm Mike Yersich, if I'm in that offensive staff room, I want to get those guys on the field as much as possible. If it means you know, a little bit less with wide receivers, then so be it. Get those guys on, 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 on the field and see what they can do because um, even Tyler Warren has done some really nice things in camp. So I'm, I'm excited to see that group um, in terms of high floor, high ceiling, probably as good as it is on the roster. And that's, you know, for a group of three guys and four, if you include Khalil Dankins uh, as well, that's a man, that's a great group right there. We got practice notes up this week on Lines 24-7. Our VIP subscribers have already probably checked those out a few times. Sean has some notes on some things he's hearing from preseason camp at Penn State. Check those out, Lions247.com. When we come back, we'll shift gears to Nittany Lions newcomers, see who's ready to make an impact in early September and who we may need to wait on a little bit longer. Stay with us. That's coming your way on the Lions 24-7 podcast.
Is your child struggling with a specific subject or need help with homework? Are they asking questions that you're not sure you can fully answer? IXL Learning is an online learning program for kids. It covers math, language arts, science, and social studies. IXL is designed. This program will improve your kids' grades. Studies done in almost every state in the country. The kids who had IXL are consistently doing better. Powered by advanced algorithms, IXL gives the right help to each kid no matter the age or personality. And it doesn't have to eat up all your time. One subscription gets you everything for all the kids in your home, pre-K to 12th grade. So don't miss out. One in four students in the U.S. are learning with IXL. IXL is used in 95 of the top 100 school districts in the U.S. Make an impact on your child's learning. Get IXL now. And listeners can get an exclusive 20% off IXL membership when they sign up today at IXL.com audio. Visit IXL.com audio to get the most effective learning program out there at the best price. I'm Sandra, and I'm just the professional your small business was looking for. But you didn't hire me because you didn't use LinkedIn Jobs. LinkedIn has professionals you can't find anywhere else, including those who aren't actively looking for a new job but might be open to the perfect role, like me. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you'll miss out on great candidates like Sandra. Start hiring professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash recommend today. Turning our attention towards Penn State newcomers, there are a bunch, and that's in big part because of the Nittany Lions' aggressive approach to the transfer portal. Really, to this point, since the transfer portal has popped up, Jordan Stout is is pretty far and away the, the biggest contributor that Penn State has picked up and put on scholarship. Expect that to change in a significant way. Uh, six guys added to this roster who have Division One starting experience, a few of them at the Power Five level. Um, and, and we're going to look at that supplemented by, well, you should well, I should say the recruiting class was supplemented by the transfer class because you have 14 true freshmen on this roster. That is a very small number. Uh, let's start with game one impact guys, Sean. And, and that list is let off. It, it, no one's going to be surprised if you listen to this podcast lately Arnold Abikede yeah that's that's my guy that's, that's who I'm hitching my wagon to this year um hopefully he it <laughs> you and Penn off. State yeah yeah you yeah yeah that's for sure you're not kidding there um no it's uh it, it's such a vital position for them and it's a guy that they think can can do a lot of good things for them I'm not sure if this is a game one has three sacks type guy but I, this is a guy that I think you're going to see a lot of out on the football field this year um really excited to see where he's at physically in terms of being able to play against the run against the pass but they seem excited at what they have in him so far and then Derek Tangelo also on the defensive front. You had some good things to say about him when you returned to this uh, podcast earlier in the week and um, you know, just watching him on the practice field certainly seems like not only is he going to be heavily involved, but he's also a sounding board for some of these younger guys. He played 40 plus football games in the ACC. Ton of experience there. And on top of that, great culture fit in terms of mm-hmm. what they were looking to add, um, not only to that room, but to the team altogether. Uh, people really seem to uh, to feed off of him and like him a lot. So um, in terms of being actually being on the field, you, I feel like you got Mustafer as your, as your one set in stone starter. And then you've got Tangelo and uh, Hakeem Beeman beside him sort of battling it out there. So that's still one to be to be had. But if you can get a solid presence out of Derek Tangelo, I think that's a that's a great step forward for that group. Devon Ellis, Fred Hanser, some others we've seen uh, part of those front end defensive tackles and, and some drill work. When we look in the defensive backfield, you're also going to have some new faces stepping up right away. They may not be starting, but John Dixon and Kalen King in a very competitive cornerback room have certainly done enough that we expect to see them September 4th. Yeah, I think we'll see, you know, that that's one of those things where the schedule 
um, may see right off the bat a lot of Tariq Castro Fields, a lot of Joey Porter Jr., um, just based on what you kind of expect out of those guys. And when you go on the road er this early in the Big Ten, you want to have your veterans out there playing. So maybe don't see as much of Dixon and King right off the bat, but they're going to, I think they're going to be a big part of this defense and seeing them out there. Uh, Kalen King, a part of our 24 7 Sports True Freshman All American team that was released on Friday morning. So uh, this is a guy that I have high hopes for. We'll see if he, if he, lives up to that right away, but just in terms of his future seems very bright for Penn state. And Dixon's a guy that has played some football in the sec experienced guy corner. seems like it's in, in a good spot, a good problem to have uh, with those four guys. And then you've got uh, Marquise Wilson's back there and uh, Hardy is back there as well. Sorry. Um, and it's, it's been one of those uh, cases where you've got a lot of guys. So you're trying to figure out how to get all those guys in the field. Well, Sean, we look at, at the first and third level of this defense getting a, a lot of you know, a lot of new faces, a lot of influx here from the transfer portal. We didn't see that at linebacker. I just wanted to take a quick pause uh, because we, we talked about that linebacker depth. Is that an area where, where we look back and, and because clearly the transfer portal is going to be a huge deal for this defense and, and what Brent Pry is going to, to roll out there? Do you think you lost some to the linebacker, but you didn't bring anything at linebacker via transfers? Is that maybe a spot that in hindsight being 2020 that what would have been well uh you know kind of well paid attention to via the transfer portal in, in a perfect world you land one the land experience guy they went remember they went hard after mike jones out of clemson uh, right. i believe he ended up at lsu um and a couple of guys went to texas but not really w- didn't really pursue with the vigor uh, that they did mike jones but it was a tough sell in the sense that you've got brandon smith coming back that you expect to be a starter you've got ellis brooks and jesse Lucetta, and i know that they've been much maligned uh but they still have starter next to their their names and then you've got curtis jacobs from a former five-star that you expected to start so you've got four guys there that you could peg as starters or at least opposing teams could look at your depth chart and say, Hey, they got a bunch of guys coming back at linebacker. So it's going to be tough to, for you to come in and make an, an immediate impact. So without anybody there, any obvious names outside of Jones, I, I, I get what you're saying. And I think it works in theory. Um, but just, it, it would have been tough to add to that because those guys that were transferring are looking for a place to come in and start. And I'm not sure that you could go out and flat out promise that to some of these guys. Um, now I put the next group in a different tier uh, for those guys. I said game one impact and, and to your point, maybe King and Dixon, it's going to be a, a bit more dependent on, on opponent. And it's going to be maybe uh game by game. Whereas Ebicade and Tangelo, we expect to really accrue a bunch of reps at Wisconsin. Now this next tier, these guys could start against Wisconsin. These guys could not play against Wisconsin. We'll see how it shakes out. Let's start with Eric Wilson because the left guard battle, you said that was the most compelling position battle ongoing with preseason camp. Des Holmes is involved. Anthony Wigan is involved. I think a lot of people kind of discounted him this offseason and he's surfaced as a contender there at left guard. Uh, as I said, not sure if Eric Wilson will be out there with the first teamer, uh, with the first team offensive line. And I'm also not sure that that first team left guard is going to be on the field for the fourth series of the game. Yeah, that uh, that's a spot where you've got a couple guys you feel pretty good about the other four guys with with Juice Scruggs sort of taking over there at right guard. Um, but there's there's still plenty of questions there. There's some guys that have done some nice things, but it goes back to consistency and and Eric Wilson's a part of that group and Wilson could also snap some for you if he needed to. So I think competing to make an impact is is a good way to put it. You also have John Lovett down here at running back. I think that's mm-hmm. a, a good one. I think we'll see him right off the bat, uh, not as a starter, but a guy that can get in there get some rotational reps, do some different things that that then Noah Kane and Kevon Lee and kind of provide you with a different uh, different look. He's, I, I, 
I suffice to say he's a home run hitter, but he's got a little bit more potential in terms of breaking a big one than, than a guy like Kevon Lee. So we'll, we'll see yeah. where he fits. It's just with Jay Wan Sider. I mean, it's going to be really tough to figure out the right combination. And there's going to be guys that I'm sure will not think it's the right combination fans that I think uh, will not, will not think it's the right combination, but that's going to be a tough one. Cause he's got a ton of talented backs. Uh, I, I still think Kane is the guy, um, but you, you've got, probably not much from top to bottom separating uh, those three or four guys. Yeah. And, and with Lovett and with Ford and with Kaziah Holmes, you also have to mention kick returner. You know, everybody's kind of involved in that competition as well. Does the guy who's left out of the rotation or two guys are going to be left out of the rotation if they, they settle on the three men that they want to do kick returner could be a spot where we see Lovett involved as well. And a very productive for, for his first three years at Baylor uh, last year was a big letdown for him. And, and he knows he picked a competitive room. So curious to see how it shakes out for him this year in Penn state. And then at wide receiver, guys, we just mentioned, so we won't spend much time there, but Liam Clifford, Harrison Wallace, we very well may see either of these guys step up, make an impact in September and and stay there for the next few years. Then again, we may just be seeing them on the practice field over the course of the season. I, I still think because of what is between them and the starters, uh, there is just it's just way too much room. I, I lean pretty heavily towards at least one of these guys being heavily involved throughout the season. Yeah, we we split the first group. I'll split the second group here. You got uh, Wilson. I think Wilson and Lovett. Just in terms of where they're at as transfers, as experienced guys, can come in and probably make a. You probably feel better about throwing them into that situation, whereas Clifford and Wallace might be something where you try to ease them in. Mention those non-conference games, and and you have a third category here. To kind of keep an eye on guys like Kobe King, uh, you know, Landon Tangwall, uh, who obviously you know a talented kid, but it's got a lot in front of him, especially if he's going to play tackle. So there there are certain levels here, and I probably have them. I know you seem optimistic about them. I probably have them a little bit lower, just based mm-hmm. on how much ground they have to make up in a short period of time. Yeah, no, I would agree. And, and Lovett and Wilson have played a lot of football. You know, Wilson had a year off the field at Harvard last year. I wonder what that means for, for him getting back to the practice field. He wasn't involved with spring practice either. Um, but certainly Wilson and Lovett are, are better positioned to make an impact here week one. Um, and, and Clifford and Wallace could maybe drop down to that. Keep an eye on, you know, you, you see the other name I have on there, Christian Veyu, because you have to, right? You have to include his name. You got to keep an eye on him because he's going to have to travel to every game with you. You don't usually see a true freshman backup quarterback all the time travel with the team. He's the third guy. So um, he's at least the third guy. Um, we, we still don't quite know what that depth chart looks like. We anticipate it'll be Robeson as the number two. But with Veyu, Sean, um, yeah, I, I just wouldn't rule out seeing him at some point on the season. And, and because of the way the, the roster numbers set up, had to include him on this list. I wouldn't normally, I didn't expect that I would be doing it. Let's say when he enrolled last January, but the way that things have shaped out in the past eight months, uh, you've got to keep an eye on this, on the, on the newcomer at quarterback. Well, we know from our notes packages that if you don't mention a guy, people will panic. So I'm, I'm glad you mentioned him in there. <laughs> the other guy I had listed here, and I, I just don't know what he got to campus early. He didn't play football last year. He was at community college is AJ Litton. And I think some people are saying, wow, this is a top uh, former top 50 prospect. He started a game for Florida state. Uh, he played a significant amount of snaps for the Seminoles as an underclassman down there. Why aren't we hearing more about him? You know, I think there's factors there. As I said, didn't play football last year. He got here uh, in the middle of the summer, late summer, just a, you know a month or so before training camp got underway. Um, it doesn't feel fair to, to say this is a kid, a former top 50 prospect, so he's going to find the field right away. You've got some years of eligibility with Litton. Am I reading this right, Sean? 
I, I don't know how you're reading it. And I, I don't know how, I don't know what to tell you about Litton, to be honest with you. I haven't really um, heard much on that front. And again, it's a, it's a crowded cornerback room. Um, so, so it's tough to see him coming in right away and going from not hearing anything to making a, a day one impact. So uh, still kind of wait and see on that one. Yeah. Um, I guess that's about it for the newcomers. As I said, you can go down that list of freshmen um, and, and maybe pick a few names here and there. You mentioned Kobe King. Uh, you know, he, he's going to maybe be a factor in, in linebacker depth. But a lot of these guys, we are anticipating redshirt years, maybe a few games here and there. Um, but but it's going to be transfer heavy in terms of newcomer impact. And that's a different you know, state of mind for this Penn State squad. And if you heard from from director of player personnel, Andy Frank, on with us just a couple months ago, um, you know, that was their game plan. They executed it. And and now it's got to come to fruition. You've got to have these guys uh, come in. And many of them are making a significant leap to Big Ten action. Uh, so nothing necessarily promised from these transfers, but a lot being counted on. Um, a five-star mailbag time, Sean. We got a couple to get to. The first one here uh, brings us back to the receiver room. I don't think we'll dwell on this much, uh, although it's a very optimistically toned question. Does Penn State end the 2021 season with one receiver le- leading the Big Ten in yards and another receiver leading the Big Ten in catches? And I think I understand what what you're going at here um, because. You've got an opportunity to, if you're playing the spread, get Parker Washington a ton of touches, but have Jahan Dotson be your big play guy. And of course, Jahan Dotson did lead the, lead the conference in receiving yards. I think nine of the top 10 uh, receiving yards leaders from last year are back. So it is a really good year for for Big Ten receivers, as we said uh, this season. Um, but no, I, I don't know that that's going to work out like that. I think we've played this game in the past and it hasn't worked out well uh, mm. for us. Uh, but yeah, I, I could see Dotson being number one in yards and, and catches um, and then Parker Washington playing a, a, a really good role in terms of maybe not the average yards per catch type thing that we're, that we're going to see with Dotson, but still the opportunity. I, so I understand what you're getting at, but I, I don't see that as a, as the uh, the likely outcome, but it, it's going to be interesting to see where these guys fall. Like I said, is it, is your top receiver an 80 catch guy, an 85 catch guy, or is he a 60 catch guy? It's it's really hard to say. And, and Dotson last year, 52 catches in nine games. That's uh, it's pretty impressive. So we'll see where they we'll see, we'll see where these guys play out. And I'm excited to see the the progress that they've made. Yeah, I, I think maybe. Two, two guys in the side of the top 10 it certainly is something you could forecast. And because you mentioned this earlier, the Big Ten's got a lot of impressive receivers, a lot of legitimate NFL prospects at the position. But in terms of tandems, you know, Penn State's got a great situation. Um, and, and again, I love the optimism in the question. Hard to see that being reality, um, but but a really good duo. Yeah. Up, and, up it, top. and it makes sense. And it makes sense from a standpoint of game planning. You know, Jahan Dotson's going to see a little bit more attention this year, and 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 you're thinking, is Parker Washington the guy that's going to catch you seven balls for seventy three yards, while Jahan Dotson gets you four for one twenty six? And you know that that that's the kind of thing that that I think plays into this. So it's you know it's a likely scenario in the sense of you know, in, in the micro level on Penn state's receiving leaders, but at the same time at the big 10 level, I, 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 don't see it playing out that way, especially with those two guys in Columbus who are really, really good. Mm. I also think you're you're anticipating more productivity a, as a unit from the tight end spot than what you got last year when Fryermuth was absent for the final five games of the season, wasn't healthy for, for a few more of those. Um, you're probably looking for more production from that room, which which could slice into what you can do at wide receiver. At the end of the day, if they're even close to validating this question, 
probably means good things for Sean Clifford. And that's where the question is uh, for number two from the before we get before we get there, if you're talking fantasy, I think David Bell might lead the conference in both of those categories. Um, He had more catches than Dotson did last year. And uh, he's just, I don't think that he has as much around him. I you're, you're going to see Washington for lack of a better word, siphon some, some catches from Jahan Dotson. I don't know that there's anybody out there in Purdue that's going to do that for them. So we'll, we'll see where that goes. But David Bell, if I'm, if I'm drafting a fantasy team out of big 10 receivers, I probably go with David Bell first, just because that potential to be Mm. the guy is so prevalent with, with a guy that's as talented as David Bell. Hell of a prospect and Penn state would have loved to have had him. He stayed home to be the centerpiece for Purdue. That's what he's been. And to your point, that's why he could lead the big 10 receptions, but Unfortunately for him, it doesn't look like he's going to get through his career with a bunch of wins uh, with the Boilermakers, but individually has really lived up to that billing uh, coming out of high school. Over to our second question, and we've had a bunch, by the way. Thank you for all the Apple Podcast questions for a five-star mailbag. I wanted to get to two because we've we've let some uh, sit there for a little bit. This one's an interesting one, Sean, and it's uh, only possible in the current state of college football. I know it's way too early to entertain this, but given the lack of QB depth on Penn State's roster, if Sean Clifford has an okay to good year, is there a reasonable chance we could see him come back for a sixth year and use that extra season of eligibility granted by the NCAA COVID protocols? This is probably the 15th time I've heard this question in the past month. And I wish I had a better answer. I I, I don't know. I mean, it's given everything that you've got going for you right now and in, in terms of if he has an okay to a good year, yeah, I think it's possible because not only do you have to take into account the rock and the hard place that Penn State's at with quarterback development, and you've got those two guys coming in as freshmen, but that's such a big leap to make to to, to put that in their hands and and figure out if Taquan Roberson can maybe be a starter for for a year or so. And I I, I don't know the answer to those things, but you also take into account that he can make money. Um, mm-hmm. You know, he he can be a a name, image, and likeness guy, and he has and been potentially make more money as Penn state's quarterback, then getting into an NFL camp and getting cut or being a practice squad guy, maybe not a practice squad guy, um, but being a guy that, you know, try, tries his hand. So uh, that, that, that's an interesting dynamic. And I talked to some people about that in the past and, and it's probably something that we're not talking about as much his earning potential as Penn state's quarterback might be greater than his potential to catch on with an NFL franchise. Now all that could be moody could go out and have a great year and, you know, maybe end up being drafted or something like that. I mean, I think that's probably Penn state fans would love to see that no doubt about it. Um, but I think the potential is there. We know Penn state does not like guys, uh, would not prefer guys to use that sixth year, but when you're in the situation that they are a quarterback, it's certainly worth, worth warranting a mention. Yeah. Andy Frank, again, Penn state's director of player personnel. I know that name isn't totally familiar for everybody, but he told us here on the podcast, they don't anticipate a lot of these six years, sixth year guys staying. You saw some of those kind of players move on this past off season. There's going to be a lot more of that, that volume now uh, because of all these fifth year juniors in terms of eligibility and Sean Clifford falls into that category. So does a guy like Cam Solomon Brown, who we just talked about with the receivers. Um, a couple things here, Sean Clifford is going to be a three-time team captain. Um, what does that mean for the dynamic? If he's back and, and how could you possibly realistically talk about a guy challenging a, a fourth year team captain for the starting job. But before getting ahead of ourselves there, if he has an okay to good year, knowing who your is, that doesn't sound like your is going to be uh, satisfied with an okay to good year from a, a guy who's in his third year as a starting quarterback here at Penn state. Um, man, I, this is a, this is a heavy question because like you said, if you're at a blue bud program and you're a guy who's, you know, uh, not really being talked about and not really projecting as a long-term professional football player, 
then there, you know, that extra year here on campus and what you could get from the NIL, that is very valuable and, and worth discussing. Um, yeah. The question also is, and we've talked about this, it's a two-way street. You know, it, Penn State isn't going to say, you know, they're going to have some tough conversations. We talked about this without getting into specifics last offseason. You had to sit down and have tough conversations about guys who maybe you don't think it's the right fit for them or for your program for them to remain for a sixth year. I think w- with the way that Clifford is – from a personality standpoint, from a competitive standpoint, from a confidence standpoint, all that stuff we see, he's got he's got the juice, right? And so does Mike Yursich. So to me, if it goes really well this year, it's going to be a lot of fun for them. But if it doesn't, and, and if it's just okay even, I can see some volatility surfacing because of how both of these guys are wired. Um, and and you know, there's a lot that goes into this. You got Drew Aller and and Bro Perbula getting to campus in January, which you know gives them an opportunity to get on the practice field next March. Um, I think at the end of the day, though, um, if Sean Clifford isn't good enough this year to think that he should try his hand at the NFL, there's a concern there because you know, I do think that there's something to be said for that confidence. Sean is going to say, I'm going to go win, win, a, win a roster spot in the NFL and prove everyone wrong, motivated by that. I mean, this is just not this is not an, an easy answer. And, and I think it's one that could be very difficult to reconcile with for Clifford, for his family, for the Penn State staff and all the fans out there are going to be watching very closely as this one gets discussed. Yeah, yeah, they're hoping for for the best from Sean Clifford. As you know, we're hoping for the best from him as well. But yeah, that's a that's a deep one, man, and that's going to be very fascinating to see how it plays out. Because not only that, you've got you've seen the market for experienced quarterbacks in the transfer portal too. I mean, that that would be an you know take the Shelton route. So um, it's uh, it's very very interesting dynamic. I and we oh, I let's could, just say this: if if Sean Clifford hits the transfer portal after even just an okay to good year at Penn State, he'll be a wanted man. Uh, he would be more of a, a commodity as long as he doesn't tank this season, then I think a lot of Nittany Lions fans may anticipate if he were to oh, would, that have been, portal. would have been the top quarterback on the market this year. Yeah. I mean, there's, there's tough. I mean, it's, it's tough to see anybody else, you know, outperforming or out um, living the demand of what he had. So, or he would have had, so that that's very interesting. And I think that the question here is kind of like, how big is that window? Okay. To good. Like, is he, you know, is he a guy like if he puts together a 2019? Yeah, that makes sense. Like, cause that's not a, that's not an NFL prospect year, but at the same time you won 11 games and you feel pretty good about where you stand coming off of that. And that experience is, is certainly notable. So yeah, I, I, I'm you, glad I'm not you, the one making, I'm, I'm no. just going to say, I'm glad I'm not the one making that decision. So no, on, on either side, but if you only get okay to good quarterback play out of a guy who's going to be surpassing 30 big 10 reps, if he, if he's your guy, the big 10 starts, if he's your guy this season, then what does that do to impact the rest of your offense where you feel like you're getting great uh, performances out of the running back role, out of the tight end role. You feel like you're assembling something special in the wide receiver room. And if you're looking at quarterback, the trigger man of all that, and you're saying, okay, he's okay to good. And we, this is based on 30 starts in the big 10. I don't know where, where your is going to land on that one, Sean. I mean, there's a lot of bad quarterbacks out there, man. Like, that's there's damn a true. Lot of bad quarterbacks <laughs> out there um, at, at every level, too. And that's, uh, you know, it's, it's a very, very, I think some people forget sometimes, very difficult position to play. Um, so we will see. Easy that to goes. remember for a fan of the Washington football team to keep that in perspective for us. I appreciate you bringing that one up. So, um, no, absolutely. Uh, I absolutely agree with that. And uh, yeah, it's going to be a tough one. And like we said, we're hoping, hoping Sean has a big year and uh, things, things work out for everybody. But that's a, that is, as I said, rocking a hard place right there because that's a tough conversation to have with a with a potential four year starter. 
Yeah, and if and if you folks head over to check out Penn State's roster right now and scroll down, they just kept on going with with eligibility. Well, we're technically Clifford's a fifth year junior. Any of those guys listed as red shirt seniors, they're going to be six year seniors potentially at Penn State or otherwise next year. And that's a lot of names down that roster. So conversations ahead, but that's that's beyond this season. Uh, appreciate everybody listening. I feel like we got a ton. We talked about receivers more than we anticipated, but some context was needed about where that room is right now and where it may be headed uh, in the next few months and, and into next year as well with the, that receiver group that they are going to bring in for 2022. Sean, uh, we'll get hopefully another look at the practice field this upcoming week. Uh, it's it's going to be here before you know it, though. Like I said, we're, we're two weeks away from media day and we're two weeks away from kickoff. So uh, you know, ready or not, this team's going to have to show us something. We haven't gotten a lot of long looks. I wish we could tell you more about the details here, but uh, we're starting to piece it together the best we can. Yeah, that's uh, basically where we're at right now and very quiet coming out of camp, which is always the case uh, for Penn State. But the access, uh, as you may have noticed, is a little bit less uh, than it is at other schools. So we're, we're doing what we can. I think we put out some really good notes this week and do suggest you checking that out online 247.com. Follow along on the site, follow along on the podcast. We'll be back early next week with our latest episode. In the meantime, throw your five-star mailbag question up on Apple Podcasts. We look forward to getting to that and addressing it here on a future episode. On behalf of Sean Fitz, I am Tyler Donahue. We'll talk to you soon. Okay, picture this. It's Friday afternoon when a thought hits you. I can waste another weekend doing the same old whatever, or I can conquer it. I can hop into my all-new Hyundai Santa Fe and hit the road. Any road. The steeper, the better. Because my all-new Santa Fe is available with H-Track all-wheel drive, so I can hit the trail without a worry in the world. Heck, with three rows and best-in-class rear cargo space, I can pack the whole family in with all our gear. We've got available dual wireless charging for our phones, so we'll never lose touch with civilization, and we won't lose touch with the primordial power of Mother Earth. So which is it? Waste the weekend or do something a little more epic and conquer it in the all-new Hyundai Santa Fe. Visit HyundaiUSA.com or call 562-314-4603 for more details. Hyundai, there's joy in every journey.